Well, I thought there would be some more music before I got up to preach because music helps. <laughs> and you know, this reminds me of when I was in Kansas City going to seminary. And seminary Sunday, I was asked to go and preach at a friend of mine's church that worked at the Nazarene Publishing House with me, Reverend Eddie Walker, pastored the Blue Hills Church of the Nazarene. And I hadn't preached very much. I had pastored for a few years before I went to seminary, and I'll tell you a little bit about that as we move along. But um, he asked me to come and preach that Sunday on Seminary Sunday. And who walks in but Dr. Ralph Earl? Dr. Ralph Earl. Well, if you, some of you know who Dr. Ralph Earl is, was. He's, uh, he's deceased now, but he, he was on the original committee for the New International Version. He's a Greek scholar, New Testament scholar, teacher at the seminary. So he was a professor at the seminary at that time. So I'm getting up to preach, and I'm thinking, he's the one that should be up here preaching, not me on seminary Sunday. And there's so many pastors here and others that could be probably doing a better job than I can do this morning because there's so many others here this morning that could be up here preaching. But I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be a part of this service today. It's really been exciting. Um, I wonder if we could sing a little chorus. Do you know that chorus I told you about? And If you'll come, I'll help you sing it. Got any rivers? Where's uh, Shirley? Could you come? Just before I preach, and I want to do it at the end too, but... uh, She's got the words in the little chorus book over there if you need it. But can we stand and sing that little chorus before? How many know that? It's interesting that that chorus was written about the time this church was organized. So it's an old one. I think in 1945. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't trouble, tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He does the things others cannot do. Could we just sing that little chorus before before I preach? Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He does the things others cannot do. Would you just bow for a moment? Father, we're here to glorify your name and not to lift ourselves up in any way. We're here to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to proclaim the the word of God. To affirm the affirmations of faith that we find there, especially two that we're going to talk about this morning. So we just ask your Holy Spirit to come and anoint the words of this message Hide me behind the cross. Let these people not see me, but see Jesus. And let us feast on the word of God and on the the faithfulness of God and the truth of God this morning in these few moments we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. 
The Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote two or three of his epistles. This particular one to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn, chapter 4, I'm just going to read verses 10 through 20. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, I want you to think about this verse, the next verse. Many of you probably memorized it and probably quoted it many times, as I have. Verse 13, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. One version says, I can do all this, things he's been talking about. Through him who gives me strength. He goes on to say, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Their fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And note this next verse. This is another one probably some of you have memorized and quoted many times. And then he says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. When Saul of Tarsus was struck down on the road to Damascus, blinded temporarily and confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ, We know that was his conversion experience. He became a a convert to Christianity. I have to think that some of his experiences before that, particularly when he was standing there observing the stoning of the first Christian martyr that we know of, Stephen. And Stephen, rather than cursing the people that were stoning him, was looking up to heaven and saying, God, don't hold this sin against them. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Can you imagine being stoned and how painful that would be? But can you imagine being the one who was, it says that Saul was consenting to this. He'd been going around from place to place, uh, having Christians persecuted and imprisoned and put to death. And then he himself is confronted by the one that 
says, you're persecuting me. When you persecute my followers, you're persecuting me. And we know the rest of the story about the Apostle Paul. He was Saul, and then he became Paul. And I, I was thinking, what? I never had looked it up before. What does the word name Paul mean? Well, it means small. <laughs> or it can mean humble. Think about it. Another thing about this experience, people were frightened of Paul, Saul, and even when he was converted, some of them were still skeptical about it. And Ananias was one of those. And he was supposed to go and, and Ananias was supposed to pray with him and then he would receive his, his sight back. And in Acts 9, verses 15 and 16, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And notice this in verse 16. He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. He wasn't saying this to Paul. He was saying this to Ananias to give Ananias the assurance that Paul really was a convert. And he's telling him what's going to happen. And you know, when you begin, when you're called by God and when you begin your, your ministry, it was mine was many, many years ago. In fact, I was interested to think about this when Ryan called and asked if I would come and speak. He said, it's our 75th anniversary. And I had forgotten what year this church organized. It was 1946. And something else very important happened that year. I was born. <laughs> Nobody noticed. <laughs> and I thought, how interesting that the church is celebrating its 75th anniversary, and in a couple of months I'll celebrate my 75th birthday. And some of you, when I got up here, said, he looks older than he did when I saw him last. But also, I can look out there, and I say, some of those people look older than the last time I saw them, because it was 28 years ago. When I came to this church, I was 42 years old. And I think I grew more than four years in the four years I was here because <laughs> we went through a lot doing the things we did. God helped us, and I'm going to talk a little more about that. But I, was, I thought that was quite interesting that you asked me to come, and I'm honored to be here, though there's so many others that could be up here preaching and, and do a great job. But it's my 75th year, too. <laughs> so I, I thought about that and how interesting it is. Um, but in Paul's letter to the, to, to the church at Philippi, we get a glimpse into, the life, into his life as a servant of God, as an apostle. Um, you probably know he wrote 13 of the books of the New Testament. And he didn't have a computer. He didn't have electricity. He didn't have a typewriter. You think about that. Uh, this letter probably penned from a prison cell, and it wasn't like a modern-day prison cell, as we, you probably studied. You know, it was a, probably a dungy, uh, dark uh, place. So it's amazing when you think about it. This man who had been a persecutor became 
one who was going to be persecuted, but he, was, he wrote 13 of our, of our New Testament books. He says he has learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Not many of us can, can say that, can we? I mean, we're always wanting a little more. He knows how to abound with plenty and how to be content with very little. No church and no individual Christian is always feeling victorious. Sometimes we may be feeling down. So I thought about this as I was preparing this message, and this is not particularly an expositional message. Most of my preaching has been what preachers would know as expository preaching. You take a passage of Scripture, uh, and, and you don't just take a topic. Now, today, uh, it's kind of more like a topic, even though I've read this Scripture, because I want to, rather than expound on this Scripture, because it's pretty much self explanatory in these two verses that I want to highlight. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That doesn't require a lot of understanding and interpretation. And then he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What I want to do this morning is illustrate those things. We all know, but I wonder sometimes if we think about it, how many times have you said when the pastor or somebody in the church uh, came and asked you if you would teach a Sunday school class or do something, I can't do that or I wouldn't be able to do that. As a pastor, I would never just go up to somebody and shove a book in, Sunday school book in their hand and say, teach this class because I want them to pray about it. I want them to feel like God is calling them to do it. But many times we might say we can't do something and we're forgetting that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Now, I know we have different gifts, and we ought to exercise those gifts. And if you don't feel like God wants you to be a Sunday school class teacher, you shouldn't be doing that. But many times we can do things that we didn't think we could do. There are all kinds of accomplishments that we could make if we would just be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. When I graduated from Olivet Nazarene University in, in 1969, Gail and I both graduated, and we weren't married, so she went to Bismarck, North Dakota to prepare for our wedding. It would be June the 20th. We just celebrated our 52nd wedding anniversary a couple months ago. And I went to northern Michigan to accept the pastorate at a little church, a home mission church, in Charlevoix, Michigan. It's a beautiful resort town in uh, 50 miles from the Straits in uh, the Lower Peninsula. Most of the time when you go to pastor a church, you have met with the church board, you have met some of the people, and you've had the opportunity to see the church. Well, this was one of those situations where that wasn't, that wasn't possible. Dr. Fred Hawk appointed me to be the pastor of the church, and I had never met anybody, never seen the church, didn't know anything much about it. But I was, that was my first pastor, so I was just happy to, to be able to go to a church and, and pastor. I was 22 years of age. And now when I look at people 22 years, and they say, how did I, how was I a pastor at 22 years of age? But God called me to do it, and I, and I did. But the Sunday school superintendent, who was also the building contractor, wrote me a letter. He said, we're building a new church. And it's going to be all finished. We'll be able to worship in it when you come. 
So I graduated from, from college on May the 26th, I believe it was, 1969. And I packed up everything I had in a little U-Haul trailer. And I spent the night in Lowell, Michigan with my parents. And the next day I went on to Charlevoix, Michigan. And I drove up there into the driveway of the church. They had nine acres of prop- nine or ten acres of property. And I drove up there and drove up to where the church was. And the, there was a little a mobile home that we were going to live in. <laughs> It was, I think, 12 by 55 or something like that, fully furnished, and sitting right next to the church. So I drove up there and got out and looked around. This church is not finished. Walked in, and floors weren't even poured, and the walls weren't even up, and there was a lot to do. But I'll tell you, as, as a young pastor, I, I don't remember that I got too upset. I, I just accepted it. I was young. I was green. That was my first pastor, and I just accepted the way it was. But uh, we didn't get into the building for a few more months. And we didn't dedicate it for maybe a, another, I don't know, before we left there, we dedicated it. And one of the reasons I, I pastored before I went on to seminary was because I had borrowed money through a National Defense student loan. And I had to start paying that back. And I couldn't afford to go to seminary and also pay back my student loan. Because I grew up in a family where my dad didn't have much of anything. He couldn't help me go to college. I had to borrow money and work my way through. And so that's what happened. And, and uh, so the seminary wasn't accredited at that time. And you couldn't get a deferment from your student loan if you weren't going to school as accredited. So I went and pastored. I pastored for three years. And we had a good ministry there. And then the seminary got accredited, and we moved to, to Kansas City. I got accepted at the seminary, moved to Kansas City in 1972. And we bought a house from, from some other, another seminary couple. Now, some of you have a hard time understanding, believing this, but it was a three-bedroom house, had a garage, paved driveway, fenced-in backyard, Our payments were $118 a month. Some of you can't even, that probably just blows your mind thinking about that. Um, When we moved to to northern Michigan, we thought that, boy, things are expensive here. Gasoline was 36 cents a gallon. And it's 39 some places, and we thought that was terrible. We moved to Kansas City, and they had, and gasoline was 20-some cents a gallon there, and sometimes it got down to 19 cents a gallon. And then while I was in seminary, they, you know, we had, they had the oil embargo and all that, and by the end of my seminary career, gasoline had gotten up to about 50 cents a gallon. We thought that was the end of the world. Wouldn't you love to have 50 cents a gallon gasoline again? But, you know, that's one of the bad things about getting old. You can remember what things cost when you were young. We used to joke about it. We said, someday uh, bread might cost a dollar a a loaf. (laughs) You can hardly find a loaf of bread for a dollar. Some of them are five dollars for a loaf of bread. So anyway, uh, you know, throughout the years, I have witnessed and experienced for myself that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I've witnessed for myself and for the people of congregations where I've pastored, including this one, that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, when I left that church 
that wasn't built when I got there and we had to finish it and we had other complications and all kinds of problems. And when I got ready, when I got ready to graduate from seminary, I said, Lord, I don't want to go to another church and be in a building program. I think the Lord must have a sense of humor because um, I, I know he's not vindictive, but uh, <laughs> if he gave us what we deserve, none of us would be here, right? So anyway, when I graduated from seminary, I had a chance to go to Bakersfield, California to be an associate pastor there. And it was a very tempting situation. It was a large church. They, were gonna, they wanted me to come there and do music and be involved with evangelism. They were going to offer me a car, a decent salary. And the pastor said, are you considering anything else? And I said, no. And he said, because I don't want to, because you're the one I'm thinking about. He'd interviewed several seminarians, and we sang, and we played my, played my euphonium, and he liked our music, and he liked what we had to offer. So he wanted to go back and present our name at the church in Bakersfield, California. And I said, uh, we don't, I'm not considering anything else. The very same night, or the next night, Dr. Jack Lee called. He said, I'd like, I want, would you be interested in coming to, to Georgia? And interestingly, when you graduate from seminary, at least back then, you had an opportunity to meet with, meet with uh, different district superintendents that you might be interested in going to their district. I met with the Kansas district superintendent, Missouri, one of the districts there, Michigan. Thought about going back to my home district. Never met with, George, with Jack Lee. We were walking through the dining hall where we had met for that. He said, uh, you ever thought about coming to Georgia? I said, no, because <laughs> uh, it was so far away from my home. And anyway, he said, well, write me a letter. So I wrote him a resume. So anyway, I, I ended up going to, to Macon Trinity. Well, the nice thing is they had a new building. So I knew I'm not going to get into a building program there. Well, guess what? I went there on May the 31st of 1976. And on August the 6th of 1979, the church burned. I mean, it, it was a total loss. Uh, we heard our dog barking in the backyard. We had a big, big dog, and he was barking. I went and looked out the window, and I saw flames leaping from the corner of the church. We called the fire department, and I mean, it, it, was, it ended up being a total loss. And our people who had worked so hard to build that church were trying to get there, and they couldn't even get to it. Some of them walked through the kudzu and other things to just try to get there to to because they knew Gail and I were there all by ourselves watching the church burn down they wanted to come and be there with us I mean it was a terrible experience so here I am in another building program and the next day on the front page of the Macon Telegraph the there's an article and there's a picture of our burned up church and me holding my my euphonium is just it's just all melted, practically. And my trombone I had was gone and uh, really didn't have enough insurance to cover books and things and everything that I lost in that fire. But uh, also in that article about the church, the fire marshal said they don't have enough insurance to rebuild their church. We had church mutual insurance. They said they, he said they don't have enough, church, enough insurance to build, rebuild their church. Well, we chose to believe God instead of that fire marshal. Because my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And guess what? We not only rebuilt that church better than it was. 
we started on a 50 by 100 gymnasium fellowship building and completed that as well. And then we started on a new parsonage because we lived in a 100-year-old house. And it was so strange that it was like going in one of these haunted houses where it looks like it's on the side of a hill, and it is. Well, our mattress would slide a little bit off the bed at night because it was that bad in that bedroom. You could put a ball on the floor and it would roll downhill. And I said it had a desk in there and I had to be careful because the chair would roll back into the wall. I mean, that's how old that house was. So we needed a new parsonage. And I could tell you all kinds of stories about that, but I just want to tell you this. God help us to build that church. God help us to build that building. And he helped us to start on a parsonage. And we didn't have to borrow a lot of money. The fire marshal said they won't have enough money to build their building. But we chose to believe God instead of the fire marshal because my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I could tell you story after story. And I said I didn't want to be in a building program. Um, You know, I knew when I came here I was going to be in a building program. I was in Valdosta. We were, things were going pretty good. We had a good ministry there. The church was growing. And Dr. Latham asked me if I would consider coming to Gainesville. I came and met with the board, and, and I knew what was ahead if I came. And I came anyway. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, during the years we were here, we witnessed miracles from God, too. You that were here then, you know. Some of you were here then quite a few when they we had the old building there on Washington Street and not much property and it would rain the basement would flood sometimes and so we didn't really have the money to buy property and build a building but this was an opportunity when the powers that be came to talk to us then the appraiser came he said you're going to be really happy with what we're going to offer you for your building and he came, and he had this long, several pages, and all telling us what everything's worth. And he said, we're going to give you $551,000 for your building. And I said, that's not enough. Because you're asking us to move from this property, and, you're ask, and we have to buy property, and we have to build a building. And if we were just to sell our church, that might be what it's worth, but we have... You're, you're making us move. We're not choosing to move. You're, you're telling us we have to move. And you're offering us $551,000 for our property, but we want more. And we negotiated with them until finally we got up to $725,000. Praise the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's not to bring any glory to me. It's through Christ who gives me strength. I can do nothing without his help, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I've often wondered, you know, all the wonderful things that God helped us do and helped us build this beautiful, gorgeous building with all this property. Why did we have to have a leak in the roof? And I've never really been able to come to grips with that. I, I was one here, so I'm kind of responsible, but nobody here I don't think could have prevented it. From what I hear, it was divine uh, design flaw, but the other, another thing is we, we had a, our plywood that was to be used for the decking was stolen. 
And I didn't know they went out and bought particle board to put up there. I guess that's true, isn't it? I didn't know. I think maybe Lon told me that or somebody that, that that's... Anyway, they didn't, when they, they didn't put the same decking that was supposed to be there. But regardless of all that, I've thought about this and I thought, and I, I thought about this in relation to the Apostle Paul. And you know, Paul, he had a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know for sure what it was. It was bad eyesight or just what it was. But he prayed that God would remove this thorn in the flesh, but God never did. If you ever had some problem in your life that you just thought, oh, if I could just get rid of this, I could do so much better. If I could just didn't have that problem, I could do so much more. And God doesn't remove it. And you don't know why. And I got to think about that in relation to this church. And I thought this, that leak is the thorn in the flesh for this church, so to speak. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, it's sad. But we probably won't know until we get to heaven why God allowed that to happen. We could say, well, it was, you know, we can blame it on all different kinds of things. But I still believe in what Paul said. My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I was pastoring in Blairsville. And I was on the district advisory board and went to a meeting. And Dr. Rogers called me in his office. He said, I'd like you to go to Savannah Harvest. And when he said Savannah Harvest, I just immediately thought, I don't want to go there. I like it. In, here in the mountains, it's cooler. It's beautiful. I don't want to go down there with the gnats and the humidity and all that. And so I said, well, I'll pray about it. Well, I ended up going. And... I went to a church where we didn't have a building. We were worshiping in a funeral home. Can you imagine inviting people to, go to, to come to church at a funeral home? And we'd joke about it and say, how many bodies did you have this morning? Because sometimes besides the live bodies, there were some in some other rooms. And so we kind of joked about it. But we actually grew while we were in the funeral home. And... And people, you know, I went there to help them build a church, and, and they didn't have enough money to build a church, and they had a bad piece of property. And I hated to come right into a new church and say, you bought a bad piece of property. I noticed in the minutes they were saying they wanted more visibility. So they bought a piece of property, five acres, and the doctor, Jewish doctor they bought it from was going to give them an acre each year. And they paid about $500,000 for this piece of property, and they wanted visibility, and it was on a dead-end road, and you couldn't see it from the main road that went by there. And they had bought a steel building, and it was lying on the ground rusting. But I kept thinking of, and people would, every time you go to the district activities and everything, well, how are you coming? And, you know, you face this, with every, and people in the church say, I'm, I'm tired of hearing we're waiting on the Lord. <laughs> They would say that to me because I'd say, we're waiting on the Lord. We even learned a song from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, uh, God is working, he's still working. And we taught the people that and we were still worshiping in the funeral home. And, and so we sold a parsonage that we had. I asked them if they would consider giving a house allowance. We made a little money on that. They only had $138,000 when I went there. That's not enough money to build a, a, 
a building on that property we had. Besides, it wasn't a good piece of property. So finally, we thought, well, maybe we could sell this property. And I started kind of breaking the news to him slowly, we need to sell this property. I thought, if we could just get our $500,000 back for this piece of property, we could buy something else. Um, so I found out it was zoned a little differently than we thought it was. And we called our realtor that we'd bought our house through and that other people in the church knew. And I said, we, we want to sell this piece of property. And we put up a big sign and we said, let's think big. Let's see if we can sell it for a million dollars. Well, that seemed like a lot, but we found out it had been rezoned and it wasn't very long and we sold it for $825,000. So we made $300,000 on this piece of property that we'd only had a couple of years. And I had been praying about it before, before we put it up for sale. I'd been praying about asking this doctor if he would give us the other acres of land because you can't sell property you don't have. He was going to give us an acre each year. And I was praying about this, and the very week I was praying about it, he called me. And he said, I'd like to give you the rest of that property. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That was amazing to me what God did. We still didn't have enough money to, build, to build a build, buy property and build a building, but we were doing a lot better. And one evening we were... Am I going too long? Probably. But anyway, <laughs> you know, when I first started preaching, I had a lot of pages, and I thought, this will be a good sermon. It would take me about five minutes to get through it. Now I have a sermon that I think will take me about ten minutes, and it takes an hour to get through it. But anyway, uh, we, we still didn't have enough money. We were going out of the funeral home one Sunday night, and a man said, there's an old Lutheran church down the street here that's for sale. So we went and took a look at it, and they didn't even have a sign up yet. And we found out a company out of Florida was selling it. This Lutheran church had gotten so small that they were just disbanding. And it was an old church, but it was one that we could afford. And they were asking $479,000 for this building with about an acre of land. And we went there, and man, there were all kinds of people wanting to buy this piece of property, including Goodwill. But we had one advantage. We had cash to pay for it. We now had, we'd gone from $138,000 in the bank to, we had about $900,000 in the bank after we paid off our property and everything. So we said, we're going to have to offer them more for this property than they're asking because all these other people are wanting it. So we offered them $525,000 and we said, we'll take all the contents too. So that helped them. They didn't have to try to sell contents because you, you know you're not going to make very much money on it anyway. So we figured if we're going to offer them another $46,000 beyond what they're asking, we should get something extra. So we said, we'll just take all the contents. Well, we ended up getting a nice Allen organ that they could have sold. We got all the stuff in their, in their kitchen and their ice maker, all kinds of things. And when we were sitting there on the day we closed, on October the 31st of 2006, they were, the people who were selling it to us said, um, do we have to give them those riding lawnmowers that are out there in the building? They said, well, they bought it, and they said all the contents, and we agreed. And we didn't even know we were getting those, so we got a couple of riding lawnmowers. We got all kinds of extra things. But the thing is, God supplied our need. We now had the money to pay cash for this building, and we had about $400,000 left over. 
and it needed work. The, semin- the lights in the sanctuary looked like flying saucers. I mean, they were old, and uh, we, we put new chandeliers up. We put new carpet in. We redid the pews. We painted. We, put- we had money to do things, and we still had money left over. And then after that, when we, after we bought the property and we got working on all these things, started worshiping there, um, AT- Georgia Power came in and they said, uh, maybe it was Georgia Power. It, anyway, they wanted to put up a cell phone tower on the back of our property. And some of the people kind of weren't for that, but they said, we'll pay you $500 a month. We'll give you $500 and we'll pay you $500 a month. I said, no, we want $1,000 and $1,000 a month. And they said, we'll give you, um, and then every five years we'll renew the contract and we'll give you an extra, we'll increase it by 5%. I said, no, what, 15%. Do you know they agreed to everything? And we put this little cell phone tower back on the back of the property and it didn't interfere with anything and we, t- we got money from it. We had money left over and we had another second mortgage. Money from that came in and by now, even though we had a building fully paid for, we had that cell phone po- tower back there paying us money every month. We put, our, we put the rest of our money in, invested with a realtor that was in town, and he paid us 6% interest. We had $54,000 every year coming in just from the money we had invested and, the, and that cell phone tower. So in addition to our tithes and offerings, we had all that money coming in. And I can't help but think about this verse, the Apostle Paul. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God did that. God did all those things. God had that doctor call me at the same time I was praying about it. And we were able to get those, excuse me, those other acres of land and sell our property. And just amazing things happened over those years. And during the 10 years we were there, God just did amazing things. We had, and you, somebody might say, well, why would you have all that money in the bank? You should use it for something. Well, we, we might need a bigger church sometimes, so we did have money there. But you know what we did with the extra money we had? We sent all of our teenagers and all of our children to camp free every single year. We sent our work and our men on two of our men on work and witness trips to Belize and Alaska and several different places and paid all their way every time they went. We sent uh, five Cuban teenagers to a a regional conference in Panama, and it cost ten thousand dollars. There was no way they could have been able to go to this, and it's difficult for them to even get out of Cuba to go to some to another country. They had to get an attorney to draw up special papers for them to even go. And some people said, well, you're going to spend $10,000? Yes, God has blessed us. And I continually told the people, you know, God gave us all this. He can take it away just as fast as he gave it to us if we don't use it for his glory and praise him for what he has done. And people would come to me and say, you've done a wonderful job there. And I'd say, no, God has done this. These are things I couldn't have done. I can do all things, but it's only through Christ who gives me strength. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if you're thinking there are things you'd like to do, but you're thinking, I don't have the ability or I can't do that. If God wants you to do something, he'll give you the ability to do it. You've all read about Uncle Buddy Robinson, how he could hardly talk. He stuttered, but he was a great 
preacher and soul winner. And he put kids through college. He did all kinds of things for the Lord because he believed that God could help him to do anything through, his, through the strength that Christ gives us. That little chorus that we sang at the beginning, <clears throat> got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He does the things others cannot do. Could we just stand and sing that chorus as we close this service this morning? Maybe there's some river that you think is uncrossable. Maybe there's some mountain you just think you can't tunnel through. But God specializes in things thought impossible. He does the things others cannot do. Could we just sing that chorus? And this altar is open for you to come and pray. If there's some obstacle in your life that's hindering you from being all that you want to be for God, why don't you come and pray and ask God to to help you? I just feel there like there might be somebody else that needs to come this morning. Would you come and, and pray with these or come and pray for your own need or the need of somebody else that you know about? Let's sing that one more time, and then we'll have prayer together if nobody else comes. But I just feel like there may be somebody else that needs to come. Some of you like to come and pray with these here at the altar. Let's just come and support them by standing behind them and praying, praying with them as we close this service. Pastor, would you like to come? Those who are here praying right now. Father, thank you for coming and meeting with us today. We felt your presence as we sang the songs at the beginning of the service. We felt your presence as we spoke your word, the truth of of your word today. And we feel your presence right now as we come to the close of this service. Lord, touch those who are here at the altar. You know what they're asking for. You know what they need. And Lord, there's some that are standing out there or sitting there in the pew. There are things in their lives that 
maybe are keeping them from doing things they'd like to do for you because they see it as an obstacle. But Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we know that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we ask you to touch them today. Lord, anyone who's here with a burden, anyone who's here, these who are here at the altar, and anyone else who's carrying a burden that seems too heavy, there's nothing impossible for you. You are the creator. You are God Almighty. You're an awesome God. And we know there's nothing too difficult for you. So, Lord, we bring the needs of this congregation to you. Lord, we ask you to bless them in the days ahead. They're celebrating 75 years since their beginning. Lord, we pray that the days ahead will be days of soul winning and service to the community and blessing to this church. Pour out your spirit upon them and bless them in, in ways that are beyond our comprehension in ways that we will be able to point to and say, only God could do that. We couldn't do that. But we proclaim again this morning, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We claim these promises. We affirm these promises in Jesus' name. Amen.